Welcome back to episode number 125 of the MP Dude. This is Jeff, the MP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. Got a second email from somebody. Uh, one was actually one of my one of my um, ratings. Somebody left a comment. Somebody sent me an email and said, "Jeff, just skip right to the information. Don't you know? Don't waste time up in the beginning. Just go right to the information." And and. Um, I get frustrated when I hear that because I need to tell people how to support this show. It's important. It's important to me. It's important to other people that if this show is to is to to remain, you guys got to know how to support the show. There's this thing called a fast forward button. You guys can use it. You don't have to listen to the intro. You can go right to where the topic is, but you got to kind of spot check where it is because I don't put breaks in my podcast where the, where the next thing is. Um, I guarantee that both of the people in the last year that have made that comment have not donated to, to the donate or use the Amazon affiliate. I'm just going out on a limb. So I'm going to continue to do the upfront housekeeping stuff until, until I'm making enough coin, you know, it makes sense to not do it. I, I don't know how else to do it. How do you support the show guys? Does everybody know? I hope you guys do. You, you share and like the show on Facebook. You tell your friends about it. I just had somebody last night in a class say, Jeff, yeah, we, we, we were all sitting around talking about your, your show in class. And um, I got like 30 new likes last night. So awesome, guys. Thank you for doing that. You guys are upstate New Yorkers. Awesome. Some of my parents are from up that way. So, you know, some hometown feel there, right? I used to spend a lot of time up that way. So thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for sharing and spreading the word. That's why I do the housekeeping section, because it's important for you guys to know how to spread the word. Okay? If you just listen to the show and you go to work and you do your job and then you go home and you do your job there and that's it, then then this goes away in less than a year. I promise you. So that's why I have to do this. The, um, the other ways you guys can support the show, use the Amazon affiliate link. You guys know how to do that. Go ahead and go to my website, thenpdude.com. You click on the banner that says Amazon. It takes you to Amazon. You do the shopping you otherwise would have. See how fast I'm talking? I'm trying. I'm trying to shorten it up. I really am. Um, you do your shopping. It doesn't charge you anything more. It kicks me a couple percent. I use it for web hosting. Awesome. It's a great way to do it. I still have some more chronic contractible shirts. I've got some extra larges. I'm out of mediums. Um, I got a couple larges. If you guys want um, a chronic intractables t-shirt, 25 bucks, get you a t-shirt. I need you to email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I need your address, your name. I don't care about your name. I don't care what it is. But um, mostly your address and your size. I'll get them shipped out as soon as possible. So there you go. Uh, ratings are important, but um, I have uh, my brother-in-law. He's going to school in some fancy school. I'm not going to say where it is. It's in, a new, it's in upstate New York. So there you go. And um, he's got some buddies that, that are podcasting gurus. And they're, they're saying, eh, ratings aren't all that cracked up to be. But I think they are. I mean, for me, showing that you you trust and value the time you know that, that it takes to listen to a podcast, it's your, that's your time. It's valuable. And to take a couple minutes to provide a rating and a comment of why you like the show, I think is invaluable. I really do. So I say keep doing them. Um, all right, let's get into it, right? That wasn't that long. How many minutes was that? Three minutes. I shaved it down. It's like two minutes less than it normally is. So boo, yeah, right? All right, guys. Um, I'm not trying to be mean, but and I'm going to answer some of this individual's questions, but it's like, come on. You, you, new listener here. Can you get rid of your intro section? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, let's go back and listen to like 100 shows, and then I'll and then I'll consider getting rid of my intro. Because my chronic intractables, they come back and listen because they like what is there. They like this, this format. And um, 
and I'm willing to switch it up. If I, if, if 10,000 people say, Jeff, we'll, we'll listen. If you do this, sure, I'll switch. I got it. I'm willing to be malleable. I, I promise. But man, I just new listener, please change the format of your show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Maybe I'll, I'll take it into consideration. If you guys hate the intro, Please email me and let me know if anybody hates the intro. I mean, like despises it, can't you suffer? I'm switched because I can't hear you through the intro. Email me, Jeff at the MPD.com. Maybe I'll come up with a better solution. I don't know. All right, first topic. I contacted recently by somebody, um, individual in, in particular, and, and I, and um, very recent actually. You guys know my 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 background of take the top of the pile and I just kind of work down through. So I'm taking easy pickings. This one just, just came in. Individual's about to graduate and is uh, doing some interviewing and has an opportunity with, a, with an office where they say, you know what, we're going to give you a low, low, like insanely low. And I don't know what the number was, but let's just assume it's very low, like a 60 grand salary, but we're going to give you opportunity for ownership. And would you take that, Jeff? And I'm like, well, maybe. And it depends. It's right off the bat, I'm leery of anybody that's willing to pay me something that low under a promise of something in the future. They're probably looking looking to just get cheap-ass labor, exploit the hell out of you for two or three years. By the time you get get um, rocking and rolling and you, you'll be invested in the patients, you'll be invested in the practice and maybe it'll turn into something more, but in reality it's probably a scam. So I'd be leery of that one. Now that doesn't mean I wouldn't talk to him, but I would be very leery of what that, that deal really is. What I see as a potential problem is how the wording in the contract is. Is it truly ownership or is it just like a profit sharing? And if it's profit sharing, that's, that's, that's okay. Um, if that's what you want, or do you really want to be an owner in an organization? Because that would be awesome if you have the owner mentality. If your goal is to work and make money and go home and you know have your life and then go to work and make money and then you know go home and you know have your life, then ownership material may not be for you. That might not be a good deal for you. You might not really want to be an owner with these guys. I would say, well, let's just do a reasonable salary for a couple of years. And if ownership, you know, that's great that you you see potential in me as an owner, but let's, let's go ahead and get my salary to, you know, let's say 95 or a hundred and, um, in year one and in year two, I'm going to be around 120, 130. And, um, let's, let's go ahead and we'll figure this out. And if, if it's valuable for both of us and it makes sense and we mesh well, then, uh, yeah, let's do that. But I'm not going to take, you know, half my salary, because of a promise in the future that shows that you don't have negotiation skills. I wouldn't just blindly take that deal. And, and my concern would be a couple, a couple concerns. One would be number one, you don't like this individual or these group of people and you wouldn't want to be an owner with them anyways. And here you've worked for a year or two. It takes six months to a year to figure that out. And you've already made, you, you've lost $50,000. That's the way I look at it is not how much you're not getting paid. It's the other way around. My value is this and I'm getting, you know, if my value is $120,000 a year and, and I'm getting paid $60,000 a year, I'm paying you $60,000 a year for what benefit to me. That's the mentality you have to have when you go into contract negotiations. It's not what you're, you know, impeding on the other person. It's what you're losing or what you're giving up. 
And then when you phrase it that way, it sounds much more, you know, just obnoxious. So, you, you know, if it's a 60 grand year deal and you're, you're supposed to be making 100, 110, you're, you're paying them for the potential, maybe down the line that you would be an owner. I don't like that. Not, not for year one, not as a new grad. Now, if you were there for three or four years, five years, and they said, you know what, we can't afford to take you from 120 to 150 or 160, which we know you're worth, but we just, here's the books, and they show you the books. And they say, but instead, we don't want you to leave because we got a practice built around you. We want you here. Then we could we could make you an owner you know, if you know, a, a, a sh- an even share of you know, if there's if there's four people, you become 25% owner, and everybody else, you know, those guys, all three of them chip in, you know, the money to 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 basically buy you in, but they're giving up ownership interest, and you get 25%. So if there's profits at the end of the year, you get 25% of the profits, above and beyond everything. Now, if it's a small organization. There may not be a lot of contract work there that's that's supporting this deal. I would want it all in writing. I want everything in writing. I want to see the the corporate documents as far as the organization. I want to see the um, I want to see the financials and the books. See how profitable this company really is. It might look great on. I've had this happen to me personally as an engineer. Everything looked great. Nice office staff was you know everybody was rocking and rolling. As soon as I got in there and started working there as an employee and the books started coming notice, man, it was a disaster. They were barely making payroll. That's a big deal. You can't, If you don't have slush fund to be able to make payroll for six months, I'm not sure I want to be an owner of that company. I'm not going to give up my benefit to do that personally. It's not worth it to me. Now, if it's an ongoing concern and it's you know they've got money in the bank, they're they're operating in the black every year, and they want to they they just can't afford to pay me more, but they want to make me an owner. Shit, yeah, I'm in. We'll figure that one out. But right as a new grad, it smells fishy. It just smells fishy. I, I don't know if I would trust it. And if they if the, if they wanted to do that, what I would do is go right to them and say, look. If you want me to be a part owner, that's my contingent offer of, you know, like, you know, why my salary is so low. I need to see your books today. And if they say, no, we're not going to, we're not going to show you the books. Then I'd be like, kiss off. Cause then it's a crock. Then they're full of crap because if they want you to be an owner and they're not going to show you the books, you're not an owner. Just ain't. That's a scam. If that's the case. So I would be very leery. The other thing is too, is if there is profit at the end of the year, maybe they do everything all is there and they say, well, you, maybe you're not an owner, but you get profit sharing of sorts, but they want to make you feel like you're an owner. So they use that word, but you're really not. And it's really a profit sharing plan. And at the end of the year, say you have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars left over in the, in the company's checking account, then you could have that's profits. So, you know, in theory, you, you know, your percentage, say it was 25%. If the profits go to you, you would get your $25,000. That might be a nice little bonus. But the problem is, is that if you don't have control or say over how the books are done or what money gets allocated. So at the end of the year, the goal is not to have money sitting there in the, in the coffers. So at the end of the year, the like, you know, November, December, you see big companies will go on buying sprees, spending sprees, and they start buying equipment, assets. They invest in, in lands, um, um, land and, and other, you know, structural improvements and capital cost improvements, capital stuff that just, we're, we're getting ready for next year. we got all this extra money. We don't want to, you know, pay taxes on it. 
So the problem is, is that you may not have control over that and your profits might be very low for the organization at the end of the year and you might only get a couple thousand bucks. It might not be worth it to you. The other thing that would be a concern is if the, if the owner has discretion over what he pays himself. So in other words, at the end of the year, say there's $100,000 sitting there in the company coffers and he's got his, you know, 400, 500, 600, 700 million dollars, whatever he makes. And that's great for him. If, if that's what that individual can do. Awesome. But he might just say, you know, I'm going to give myself $95,000, you know, bonus check at the end of the year. He pays income tax on it because he doesn't want it to go to you. So he might be able to siphon off the money at the end of the year. There may not be any profits, per se, on paper to go to you. So that would concern me as well. Um, yeah, just I, I, I'm very leery about. It. The more I think about it, the more I would say, yeah, I would pass on that one. I just would. I mean, if you really needed the job and you wanted to get experience, I would try to negotiate your base salary up and go, go in and say, look, you know, that's that's cute and all, but. Um, negative. <laughs> you got to pay me what I'm worth and I'm worth 100, 120. Six figures is what, what every NB, NP, and the more I, the more contract, I used to think more like, uh, oh no, 85, 90 is like a decent starting side because that's what everybody was getting coming out of school. Once you're working, your mindset changes and it doesn't take long. You start realizing how much money these organizations make off of you. And you bust your ass, and they you see, oh, we're just going to tack a couple more on. Well, that's fine. You know, it's more more time for me, but it's all pure money for you. So the more you, you are out of school, you start to realize six figures is really where we need to start. It really is. Even as a new grad, I just I don't see why you shouldn't be able to get that anywhere in the country. It's just, I, I mean... I get it. You do what you got to do because you got to eat and you got to feed your kids. I, I get that. But man, does that, it's just so unfair. It's just taking advantage. And if we're willing to put up with it, eventually, you know, we, we kind of get what we deserve. So I say, don't take the crappy offers. If it's a crappy, scary offer, you walk away. Let somebody that doesn't know better take that job and be a disaster for that organization. And then they'll realize why we're saying hundred grand a year starting salary everywhere. It's because the people that will be willing to take the $80,000 jobs are going to just suck more money out of that company and just lost revenue, lost time, um, potential litigation. I mean, just to, that's, that's why I say that. All right. Second topic of the day. Um, and this was kind of a bunch of random stuff, so it's going to be kind of quick. And I'm going to try to, let me see if I can do it trying to get to the right place. There we go. All right. This is my recent listener. Recently started listening. Um, new FNP student as of August of this last year. So this is a new FNP student, by the way. Okay. Um, cut down your time to like 30 seconds. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. I, I just can't do it. It's the, I mean, just saying hello and me being me takes more than 30 seconds. I talk. I'm a talker. Um, young nurse practitioner, here we go, 22 years old in the FNP program, so you're just starting your FNP, so you'll be 24 when you're done, unless you're doing a DNP, DNP I don't know, and you might be 25, but you're, you're going to be early to mid-20s, uh, oh, there it says right there, I will be 24 when I graduate, there you go, two years are in experience, which I'm okay with that, that's not a big deal to me, I don't care about our in experience, 
some people are all hung up on you gotta you work so many years and you gotta get this experience or that experience but in reality if you've got a head on your shoulders and you're intelligent and you're a go-getter there is zero reason you can't just cruise right through both programs go out and start seeing patients now does it benefit you i think it does but do you have to have it i don't think you do i think it just depends and there's going to be hate mail i don't care send it jeff at the mp dude.com i don't care um here's the deal will patients trust me i don't know i don't know you <laughs> are you trustworthy i don't know it's if you're if your question is is it because of your age and you're you look young and things like that it's going to be more difficult for you than it would be for me but at the end of the day if you're doing good care and you're communicating well to your patients they won't care they'll think it's cute you can use that play on it use it as a niche for you oh she's the really young awesome np <laughs> she's so young and she looks like my little granddaughter you know, down in Arizona. She looks just like her. She's so cute. Oh, she's like a little kid, but she's so good and so smart. I don't think it matters. If you play into it, they will, and they'll sense that, I would move on. Be fierce. Be confident. If you don't know something, be confident in not knowing. I don't know that. I'd love to learn about it. Where do I find that? What's the best resource? Awesome. I'll have a report for you tomorrow. <laughs> that's, that's the attitude you got to have. Nobody cares how old you are. They just don't. Now, the um, the providers in, in going through with trying to get um, to get a job, maybe it'll be a detriment to you. It might be a little harder, but I don't think they care. I think that what they're looking for is, not, is dollars. If you bring money in and you keep people happy and keep people safe, they're not going to care. And I would utilize your resources to the best of your ability. When you're in your clinicals, you need to be job hunting. Then... You need to get to know the office manager, become friends on Facebook. You need to say, hey, let's go out for a, you know, for coffee or whatever later. What's going on in the office? Try to get included in stuff. Don't be an extrovert. You got to be involved. You got to be involved in, I mean, just into it and act like you're one of the team, but don't be overbearing. You got to, you can never be overbearing as a student. You got to sit in the back, so only kind of a little bit, but every opportunity when they go to include you, you do it because that might be the best opportunity for you to work at that organization when you're done. Or, or they'll say, you know what, um, Dr. Jones down the street is, is uh, looking for an NP and, and I recommend this individual because she meshed so well with our organization. She's really young and cute and all that stuff and she looks like a little granddaughter from Arizona, but she's awesome at what she does and she kicks butt and she's going to be awesome in your office too. So I don't think it matters. All right, what else here? Well, she got a whole laundry list of stuff here. Will I be seen on an even playing field against other interviewees during uh, interviews based on my age alone? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, but technically, you're not supposed to discriminate based upon age. In reality, what I would think is, um, you, um, what are your grades? Um, who do you know? You know, if you're cold call interviewing, yeah, it might be a detriment. But if you, you're using your contacts, which is how most jobs are obtained anyways, I don't think it matters. I think you're making a bigger deal out of this than, than it's really worth. All right, will I be offered any lower salaries, rates because of my age? Maybe, probably not. I think that m most offices are going to offer crappy low money to everybody. The, the question is, is, do you have the confidence to ask for more? And without life experience, and, and at 22, you just don't have that life experience for as, as most kids don't. Um, and you're a kid. I mean, anybody in their 30s to me is a kid. Um, 
do you have life experience? I don't know. I would play that up. I mean, what kind of life experience? I started working at 15. I've had five jobs and I've owned two companies before I was 20 years old. That's some pretty damn good life experience in a short period of time. I know 15-year-olds that have more life experience than most 40-year-olds. It, it just depends. So you got to play that up. Your age does not go on your resume. So that's not going to get you into the door any different. And they can't ask you your age during an interview. So in theory, they can't, they can't ask that. So if you're 24, you might just look like a really young 35-year-old. I get, my wife looks way younger than I do. And so I get people all the time saying, oh, is that your daughter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but thank you, I guess. I don't know how to take that. Do I look that old or does she look that young or do you think I'm a creeper? I don't know. So um, let's see here. Will people think I'm just another millennial? I don't know. Maybe. Do you act like a millennial? The first thing you wanted when you asked me my question here was um, to shorten up your your intro because it's too inconvenient for me. That sounds like a millennial, dude. <laughs> Lighten it up, right? It's, it's a podcast. It's for fun. So, um, you know, you're instantly wanting gratification from someone else that you don't even know. So I don't know. I mean, do you have that mentality with other things? I, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's, is it millennial? I don't know. Depends. Do you act like a millennial? Do you post on Facebook with tons of selfies? I don't know. Get your, get your Facebook page cleaned up and get rid of all the garbage on there that's incriminating. That might help. Or do you Instagram? I don't know. <laughs> I still don't know what the hell Instagram's for. Nobody, somebody tell me. Nobody's told me what it's for. I haven't asked that in a while. All right, other random topics. Let's see here. Letting patients call them doctor. Um, go back and listen to all my shows. It's in there somewhere. I mean, and it's my viewpoint of being called doctor in general, like as if you have a DNP, or is the question which I think you think is, what I think you mean is, they, they assume you're a doctor because you're, you're a provider and they just call you doctor. So they call me Dr. Jeff every now and then. I'm like, no, I'm a nurse practitioner. You get tired of telling people that. And they, and they shrug their shoulders like, I don't care. You're my doctor. All right, whatever. I'm not a doctor. As long as you're not representing yourself out as doctor so-and-so and you're not a DNP and it's legal in your state or illegal in your state, you are not allowed to hold yourself out as a physician. So that's what I'm trying to get at. Do I let them? I can't control it. I tried to tell them. I want, I want everybody to know I'm a nurse practitioner. I don't want to be, I don't want to be claimed as being a physician. All right, online versus brick and mortar schools. I don't care. Um, it depends on the person, in my opinion. I think if you want to do well in school, you'll do well in school. If you are lazy and a slacker, you're going to do crappy in either. So it really comes down to the individual. Now, do I think that there's schools out there that are just making online programs and making it so easy for people to get their clinical hours that it's really not doing any justice to the profession. I do. I've heard the horror stories. And I think that those should be shut down. I think that people that are clinical instructors that are saying this person shouldn't pass and doesn't pass them and yet they end up getting passed by the or the, the educational center, the, the, the school passes them anyways, then what I would do is I'd be writing to the... Um, I gotta look it up. One of these days I'll re-look it up, but I've read their rules, their bylaws. There's an organization that is just for, wow, really bumpy, sorry, just for um, credentialing of schools to make sure that they're legit schools, and they need to know about those instances. So we need to file, we need a way through AANP to make a complaint form that will get, get, um, 
uploaded to that agency, to that organization, it's not an agency, to that organization so that we can have good complaint f- forms um, filled in and, and turn these, these shitty schools in for, for pumping people out. We, we need to do that and get rid of them. Make them go away. They, they're a problem for us. They're going to detract from our profession and it's gonna, we're going to lose trust. Um, benefits of being with an MD versus MPPA during clinicals. I like a good variation of them. I think getting different, um, different experiences from different perspectives is always, always going to be valuable. You may not like the individual, you may not agree with how they treat things, but at least you're getting a perspective from, from something different. I had about 50, 50 MD versus NPs. And um, they were all good. I mean, the one was kind of eh, but that was just because they weren't experienced as much as they probably should have been been a a preceptor. So do I think that, um, do I think that um, MDs are better at teaching? I don't. I think it really is just clicking with the individual. But um, they got a lot of knowledge. That's for sure. They're smart individuals. You can't, you can't be dumb and make it through med school. You got to be intelligent. So same thing with MP school. You can't be dumb. You got to be smart to get through some, <laughs> some of the, some of the schools. I don't know, but most of them. All right. What else? Do NPs have more autonomy in primary care? Yeah, absolutely. And then specialty for sure. They have more autonomy in primary care, but again, it goes to the organization. How do they value NPs? Do they value as an RN plus where you're just basically an RN that has the ability to put orders in or is it, um, you know, the, 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 owner of the company is, you know, wants to go golfing every week and he's training you and you take over and you're in a specialty. It just depends on the circumstance. The problem is, is that as an FNP, you're pretty much trained to go work right in primary care. So there's not a lot of additional training. You've done, you've been in that office environment for, you know, a year doing clinicals, a year straight, by the way. So that, that's a decent amount of time to give you a good foothold and to just go do that. Now, if you're going to go work in dermatology, yeah, you're going to need, you know, a good three months, six months of training. So there's going to be some oversight. There's going to be a lot of oversight in a specialty or a subspecialty. And so if you're an autonomous personality like me, me going to work in a rheumatology office, was, and I almost did, was not a good fit for me. And not because it was a bad opportunity. They were great. They were great people. It was a great office. It would have been great money. It's just I, I would have been like, all right, I'm just kind of I'm tired of doing refills and medicines. I like my autonomy. So yes, absolutely, I think that's true. Now, if you get experience and you're five, ten years in, and you've got someone that trusts you and knows you, then then your autonomy very well may increase, and that might be awesome for you. Some places, you know, you're in and you're a specialty. They're expecting you have your own caseload. That might be a little scary. It just depends on what the specialty is and if you feel like you're comfortable or not. All right, what else? Oh, involvement of online NP forums where people post pictures of patients, you know, without identifiers and stuff like that um, to get advice and stuff like that. All right, so here's the deal. My philosophy, and I'm on the fence on both of this, so I'm going to be upfront and honest about it. Do I think it's it it's helpful to, to post things sometimes to get information? I do. I think it's very valuable as a resource that you can get information fairly quickly by posting a case study of a, of a hypothetical patient and, um, you know, a picture of a hypothetical picture, right? I mean, just this, this individual. 
and, and come up with a treatment plan based upon that? No. You, you get information so that you can go to the next step. You never use Facebook or any of the online forums as a guidepost of how you're going to treat somebody. That's laziness. And it's negligent. There's no standard of care from Facebook.com. That's my new website. No standard of care from Facebook.com. But what it can do is it can point you in the right direction and say, oh, oh, see, there's guidelines over here for how to treat this, or there's there's this over here, and I don't see it that often, and I wasn't ta- taught this in school, and I don't want to go to my collaborative and look like a total idiot <coughs> because I should have been taught this. I think that us asking each other for, for guidance is a great thing. It's a resource. It's like anything else. But would I count only on that? Absolutely not. I would be going to up-to-date, I would be going to my collaborative, but you could have an intelligent discussion after you get some information from other people. I wouldn't say I posted it on Facebook. Now, on the other hand, people on the outside looking in are saying, oh, they're doing that to diagnose and treat patients, and I think that that's the wrong attitude. I think that's incorrect, let me say it that way. I don't think that that's what most people on Facebook posting pictures and doing stuff like that. They're really doing. I think what they're really doing is um, is just getting advice and you know starting points so that they can do the research to get the proper treatment and care. And sometimes you have the ab- ab- ability to uh, just call a, a specialist or you've got someone that's relatively close to you in your office that's good at that. You can just have them come over here and take a look at this. What are your thoughts? Where's the guidelines for that? I see it as an extension of that. So when I go and ask a buddy of mine that I work with and say, look, I, you know, I, I got this weird rash, you know, it looks kind of like this, but it could kind of be that. What do you think? Second set of eyes. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's a resource. Use it. Don't be afraid of it. Now, I wouldn't be posting every day, hey, I got another one. I don't know what to do. I got another one. I don't know what to do. I got another one. I don't know what to do. That's, that's, that shows you don't know what you're doing. You need to get out. Would I ever post something on Facebook? Absolutely not. But that's me. I just wouldn't post a you know picture of a patient. And say here, I need help with this. I got other resources. I go to my to my buddies in my office. And say, look, what does this look like? I treat it the best I can. And if it's not, if it's scary, they go to the specialist right away. And I make a phone call and say, look, I'm concerned because of these reasons, and I got somebody that needs to be seen. Otherwise, if I don't know if I if I know what to do, and I chip away at the most serious thing first, and then it's not that. Okay, awesome. We all take a breath and laugh that we worked them up for you know chest pain, right? It was just a sore muscle. Okay, well at least we know your heart's fine. This guy's going slow as molasses. Come on, dude. This guy on the right in his sweet Nissan Armada trying to run me over. I'm trying to get in the right lane, dude, because I need to get off. Alright, sorry. As you can tell, I drive while I do my podcast. So, um, I hope that helps new uh, new NP student out there. There's a couple topics I hit. I'm sure I missed some because I'm trying not to get run over by a giant Nissan Armada. But um, I wouldn't worry too much about your age. Just go kick ass. Just kick ass. That's all you gotta do. Super easy, right? Just kick ass. Alright guys, we're at 31 minutes. Sorry about the long intro. I'm trying not to do so many of them. <laughs> Tough. You're getting an intro. Then you're gonna get an outro. How do you support the show, guys? You know, do I have to say it again? Yes, I do. It's part of the shtick. You're going you're gonna to support the show by telling your friends. You're going to tell your classmates all about this wacky guy in his car in Northeast Ohio driving, not trying to get run over by some jerk in an armada. Cut me off twice. Thanks, buddy.
He's in front of me right now at a stoplight. You're going to tell your friends. You can tell uh, colleagues at work. You're going to tell your, your colleagues at school about the show. You're going to uh, support the show by using the Amazon affiliate link. There is a donate button there as well. So if you uh, new FNP student that don't want the intro, you, you want to skip through and listen to the end, you can listen to the outro, but you're going to skip that too. So you need to know how to support the show or else it goes away. And if you see value in this show, if you get information in this show that you felt was worth something, you can use the donate button. It uses PayPal. You can throw a buck or two or five or a hundred. I don't care. You can throw whatever you want at me. I'll take it. The, um, the other way you can help support the show is those chronic contractible shirts. And the other way, and I do kind of reserve this one for last, usually, is if you're in Ohio and you want your contract reviewed or if you have a legal question and you would like advice, I am available for hire. I do work three days a week in the NP office, and it's a busy three days, so those days I'm not available to work on that. But the other two days a week, I do legal work on the side and, and kind of do some of the podcast stuff. So those are the times that I do it. And... Um, I'd be happy to help you guys if you're in Ohio or if you work in Ohio. You don't have to live in Ohio. So if you want that done, email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I'd be happy to do it for you. You guys, we're going into a early part of the week. I want you guys to do good work. I want you to kick ass at what you do. I really do. Be smart. Be safe. We'll talk soon.